Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. of Shock Sports Radio, we have Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics, an NBA trade deadline, and we will also dissect the new hiring of Brian Flores, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Tune in. Welcome to week two of Shark Sports Radio. Yours truly here on the mic. Again, appreciate everybody joining. As always, alongside me is nobody. I'm calling the shots, giving my own perspective on things. Let's just jump right into this. There's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving, LA Lakers, the New York Knicks, and the NBA trade deadline, right? Let's get the elephant out of the room here. There is a huge, massive misunderstanding when it comes to the media versus internal source. I just want to tell everybody that all these stories that you see on, you know, Kyrie Irving joining Kevin Durant in New York and Kyrie Irving joining Anthony Davis and LeBron James in L.A., it's all smoke, okay? People buy into the fact when they see headlines and they don't really look into what's actually happening behind closed doors. Here's why you don't believe in it. I, I broke this down with my roommates too, and it makes total sense. Rich Paul, okay? Rich Paul is part of Clutch. Clutch is a sports agency owned and run by LeBron James. And when I mean owned, I mean owned. I'm not just saying that, you know, he just is a, a rep, a part of the agency. He owns that agency. Let's just be honest. Anything Rich Paul does is because of LeBron James. So I think it was about, I'm going to go a month back where Anthony Davis decided to join Clutch. And it just so happens that he asked for a trade prior to the trade deadline. Does, does anybody scratch their head when they, when they figure that out? Why on earth would Anthony Davis request a trade before trade deadline? Oh, oh, let me put this in perspective. It's because LeBron James told him to. Like, let's be honest here. When I say LeBron James run this league, he dominates it. He dominates it in different facets. So when you have a guy like LeBron James' power, are you going to listen to him? Of course you are. He's going to increase your value. And at the end of the day, you're happy. He's happy. So all this talk around why is Anthony Davis offering all these teams up like the Clippers, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's just say all these teams don't have anything to trade for. And LeBron James is forcing the Pelicans to make a trade with the Lakers. If, if you look at it from the bigger picture, it makes sense for LeBron to do that. Now, is it legal to do that? No way in hell. LeBron James should be fined millions 
and millions of dollars. There is no excuse that Adam Silver can't step in and say this is uncalled for because what LeBron James is doing is he's using his resources and his networking, hence last week that I told you, and he is basically equipping himself or I guess meshing himself to resources to make the Lakers relevant. Now, there was a huge trade proposal that everyone wanted, everyone wanted to discuss. And that was Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, and two first-round picks. What in the world is that garbage going to get you in the NBA? Maybe a Jimmy Butler? I don't know. A veteran player who's not superstar caliber? Drew Holiday, maybe? What makes sense in the NBA? Let's figure this out. If you're New Orleans Pelicans and somebody requests a trade, you need to eventually work with them to figure out the best trade situation possible. Danny Ainge has called Dell Demps, so they say, and he has told him to put your requests on hold. There is a better trade offer, and there most certainly is. There's a lot of trades that can happen within the next day or two, and there are a lot of moving parts. But at the end of the day, the Celtics have the best assets out of anybody in this league. They have right now, they could offer four picks, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, Rob Williams, and contracts. Any expiring contracts they can possibly imagine, Throw those nice in a little ball, bundle it up, throw it to New Orleans, see what they do. Problem is, Rose Rule. So Kyrie Irving is up for his max deal, and Anthony Davis could potentially be up for his max deal. And that can't happen. This team needs the ability to work their magic come July 1st. Now, there's going to be a huge roadblock, and that roadblock is the L.A. Lakers. Because the Lakers seem to be the only destination that Anthony Davis, one, is willing to sign an extension. But two, the team that can offer probably the, I would say, decent assets at this point. I can't even imagine Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Ingram, Rondo, Beasley. Who else is on that garbage list? No one. No one else. And two first-round picks. The Lakers are going to be, if they get Anthony Davis, those picks are going to be middle of the pack. Why is New Orleans going to want that garbage? So today, I think Adrian Wojnarowski, he's the man, by the way. Wodge bombs everywhere. He reported that New Orleans tried to sweeten up the pot with two other draft picks. Now, the problem for concern, if you're Boston, is New Orleans offering those two first-round picks as saying, I'm still engaged in the conversations. If they weren't a part of the conversations, none of this would matter. But Danny Ainge is going to try to leverage it as much as possible for Dell Demps to wait until this upcoming summer. And it makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, you never want to pull the trigger on something too early. Thing called buyers beware. A, a lot of times when GMs you know, look at trade proposals, they don't really bite on the first, first one. I mean, there's been trade talks all week. If you want to do business in this league, usually teams get desperate around the trade deadline. And if you want to get good, you got to be good at the deadline. And Danny Ainge has been a mastermind at this. He's brought in Isaiah Thomas. He, he's flipped the number one pick when he had the third pick. And he got an additional pick 
from the Philadelphia 76ers. Side note, that is the most ridiculous trade I think I've ever seen, especially since Tatum. Tatum was number three. Lonzo was number two. Lonzo Ball. One was Markel Fultz. None of these negotiations would be at a prolonged process if it wasn't for the Lakers skipping out on Tatum. The Lakers would have probably Anthony Davis already if they had Jason Tatum. But they listened to LeVar Ball. They bought into the hype. You know, Lonzo Ball is going to be the next. You know, Magic Johnson, get out of here with that nonsense. He does not belong on a starting role with the NBA. Going back to LeBron James and how he does business, he has the ability to force and make decisions. He's going to force the Boston Celtics in a tough situation in one year if the New Orleans Pelicans elect to trade Anthony Davis. The hype around Kyrie Irving and the Boston Celtics, take it with a grain of salt. Chris Mannix has, you know, most certainly reported many of times. I think it was on Touch and Rich this morning. He has said countless times, Kyrie Irving, that he does not want to be linked to players to force his hand and have a persuasion of where he wants to be. He's going to make his own manly decision. He's a human. And you know what? I totally respect that. There are going to be destinations out there. It's not just going to be the Celtics, right? But the Celtics have the most to offer. Not only from a money standpoint, but they have the ability to, you know, surprise him with $190 million at the end of the year. Other teams can only offer up to 140 plus, right within that ballpark, 140, 145, somewhere in there. Magic Johnson, I'm sorry, man, you showed your cards. You wanted Anthony Davis. You got LeBron James for a reason. Danny Ainge is smarter. It's not a bad thing that Danny Ainge can't trade for Anthony Davis prior to the deadline. It's because now he can just build a proposal for Dell Demps and the New Orleans Pelicans in July, have the time to do research, have the time to have assets, and maybe trade for a young star alongside a Tatum or Brown or Rob Williams and package those up and send it to New Orleans. And New Orleans will accept it. New Orleans will accept it because there are draft picks involved, not including Boston's own. They got the Memphis Grizzlies. They got Sacramento Kings. And at the same time, the Grizzlies will get worse and Marcus Saul will get traded by the deadline. So you can put Memphis probably within the top five this year. When Danny Ainge has the ability to force his hand and literally throw all the chips on the table and say, what do you want? In short, the ability to keep Kyrie around will be because of a trade of Anthony Davis. Now, like I said, there's no way that players will force Kyrie to sign with them. But if you're telling Kyrie, one, we're going to pay you the most, $190 million. You're going to play alongside of the likes of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, Anthony Davis, along with a tremendous coach in Brad Stevens and a mastermind GM in Danny Ainge. That is an unbelievable offer that I don't think Kyrie Irving can even refuse, even if KD, Kevin Durant, goes to the New York Knicks. Now, a lot of people were looking at the latest, I guess, uh, comments that came out with Kyrie Irving, and there's a lot to it for sure. But I want you guys to listen to the beginning of his you know, interview prior to the next game. Take a look. I mean, well, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I feel is best for my career. And, 
you know, that's just where it stands. And my focus this season is winning the championship with the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, obviously we had goals coming into the season and primary goal is to win championships. So that's where my focus is. Now, if that doesn't give you encouragement and feel good about where the Celtics are in his mind, you're crazy. He's going about his business. He wants to win a title. And if he wins a title, it's going to be extremely hard for him to say no coming back to Boston. There are going to be teams out there that are going to want Kyrie, like I said from the beginning. There are going to be teams that covet him. They're going to open up cap space come the deadline. We've seen it already with the Knicks. They're trying to make moves. But there's no other destination. I'm telling you right now, it's not even because I'm a Celtics fan or Celtics supporter. It's because it's the truth. If Boston can offer the most money, the most talent, the best, one of the best head coaches in the game, arguably top three, how can you refuse if you're Kyrie Irving? Because I would question his credibility from a basketball standpoint to say, one, you're going to get paid. You're going to still have these sneaker deals. You're still going to make movies. You're going to get unbelievable talent on your roster. What is going to make you want to leave? There's not a lot of loyalty in the NBA. There's not a lot of GMs that are loyal. I hate to say it. I mean, Danny Ainge, he did the right business move. But loyalty as far as keeping Isaiah Thomas around and especially after, you know, the death of, you know, Isaiah Thomas's sister, his hip went out. He made the right decision for sure. Kyrie Irving needs to look at up and down the roster on each team. Where can I fit? And I'm sure there's games where Terry Rozier starting at point guard, and he's saying, man, Terry's averaging like 23 and 12 a game. He fits this offense. I don't. I think the game of basketball, or if you're a professional, adjustments is huge. So if you make the proper adjustments, hence he has. You look at his past, I believe it's 10 games, he's had 10 or more assists. I mean, he's been on an incredible tier recently. Kyrie Irving's a guarantee. When he steps on the court, you know he's going to drop a significant amount of points. And now his defense is incredible. He has one of the highest defensive ratings in point guard position. Celtics have a great thing going for them. And Kyrie Irving is always going to be a part of the story, especially in this season. And if they make noise in the playoffs, they make it to the finals. Even if they lose in the finals, I think that's more motivation for Kyrie Irving to get back to the finals with the green, get Anthony Davis, and everything comes full circle. Overall, the Boston Celtics have a good thing going for them. That's not to say that everything's going to go set. In, but there are a lot of correlations between the needs and the wants. Danny Ainge has built these type of assets for a while. And the reason why is because he knows he can make a run at Anthony Davis amongst any other team in the NBA. Like Put this in perspective. If, if you're a GM, you get the best of both worlds. Because you have a team that can win now. You have assets moving forward. The ability to get superstar talent. To sum all this segment up, moving forward, Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics, they're going to mesh together. They're on a roll. Nine out of the last 10, maybe 10 out of the last 11 if they win tonight. And that is huge. As I said last week, Kyrie Irving needs to find his adversity. Needs to find what he can get over to become a great player. And this is, this is actually a problem. But this is a good problem to have. Facing the media, problems and conflicts within the locker room, outside the locker room. And if he can get over this, 
he is going to become a grown player, a grown man. He's always said he wants to develop from a human's perspective. I'm all in when it comes to that, okay? If you want to take real life with basketball, that is not a problem from a personality standpoint. I get it. You want to develop as a person. You want to develop as a player. That's a great correlation to have. And he can do this with the Boston Celtics as long as he buys into the fact when it comes to him being a free agent, he's all in. And once he becomes all in, the Celtics will make a serious title run and potentially win. So I'm really excited to get into this type of conversation with the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores. Before we get into it, congratulations to the New England Patriots who have won six championships, count it, six championships. Um, Tom Brady was incredible in the fourth quarter. It wasn't as great of a game as I said it wouldn't be uh, as far as like defensively goes. It was unbelievable. Um, offensively, you didn't really see much besides field goals, which is kind of concerning because if you're going to go and say great, uh, greatest of all time, Tom Brady, he kind of took a little bit of a hit. And that's not to say that he didn't come and demolish the Rams again in the fourth quarter. They most certainly did that. The Rams really weren't ready. Um, as Sean McVay said uh, a bunch of times in his press conference, he said he got out coach. And that is pretty astonishing to me. You really have an understanding of his capabilities and where he stands. He, he runs that organization really strict and to the T, and he's got great veteran presence around him. But when it was all said and done, he got out coach. Tom Brady, him and Bill Belichick have some kind of magic within them to most certainly bring a, another title to you know the New England Patriots. The reason why I said Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is I want to get into Brian Flores. Now, Brian Flores is going to be Miami Dolphins head coach for five years, uh, fully guaranteed contract. Chris Gray was actually a part of the Patriots organization for a good chunk of his, his career. Uh, he was a pro scout. He was an assistant. He was within the Belichick system along with Parcells. Um, so there's no surprise when Chris Greer flies up to Providence, Rhode Island to meet up with Brian Flores um, and really negotiate what Brian Flores would want to see from the Miami Dolphins. And there is a spectacular quote introducing him as new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He said to Chris Greer in the meeting, if there's no fit here, I don't want to be with the Miami Dolphins. But he felt so comfortable after the meeting that he was just really happy. And he said that this was a place he wanted to be. Take a listen. I think our vision and our core, core beliefs, our core philosophy of how to build a team, and they were aligned. Um, and it, that was one of the things for me, you know, and going through the process uh, of interviewing was, look, if it wasn't, I told, you know, every team this, look, if our, our beliefs aren't aligned, then you should, then don't hire me. Um, because if they're not aligned, then it, 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 it's not going to work. Now, most people would say, all right, he's a new head coach. He's going to say that he's probably going to mean it, but let's show it on the field. I watched this press conference I've been a realist my entire life when it comes to the Miami Dolphins for a reason. I mean, we haven't had a good quarterback since Dan Marino. Let's just face it. Even head coaches. I mean, the, the most winning head coach was Don Shula. Saban had a little stint. Dave Wadsett was probably the next best coach within Miami history to be over 500. 
I mean, all the other coaches were like 10, 5, 20 games under 500, and you continuously don't comprehend why that happens. But this hiring for the Miami Dolphins should have high hopes. And, and the reason why I say that is he was so sincere and he had so much cadence on the, the press table where he felt the need to really give in and talk about what he sees in this team and where he wants to be. He always mentioned throughout the conference for his acceptance of the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. He said that he wants players to be part of a team. And that is a fresh, a breath air. Because when I hear that, he's going to do this right. He's not going to do it wrong. Stephen Ross told Chris Greer he wants to start up from the bottom and work up to the top. And it's probably going to take two to three years till they figure it out. But Stephen Ross knows the final goal. I mean, the Miami Dolphins have won countless times in the past, particularly in the 70s. We all know. But they got to get back to the winning franchise. And the only way to get back to the winning franchise is bring in a guy with the understanding of winning, togetherness, and family. No going out and hiring an offensive coordinator with the likes of Joe Philbin. It's getting down to specifics. What players want to be on a team and what players want to be individualistic. And the player that comes to my mind right now as far as being a team player is Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard had a Pro Bowl year. I believe it's his third year in the pros. And he has said on Twitter, let's get to work, coach. That mindset and the ability to break the, I guess, glass in regards to the elephant in the room as well in regards to your contract. He's going to have to sign an extension at some point this year. And the reason why is because every designed defense that Brian Flores has ever coached, he has some kind of lockdown corner. And that corner can be Xavier Howard. I I don't like to give comparisons because sometimes it can be a little far-fetched, but look at Gilmar, Stephon Gilmar in the Super Bowl. I mean, that guy was a shutdown corner. He wasn't allowing Brandon Cooks to catch any type of ball. And I can see a little bit of Xavier Howard giving in to that that ingredient, that, that it factor. And he wants guys to to want it, guys that want to come to work, guys that want to work hard, guys that want to earn a living the right way. You know, he's a hard-nosed guy. So Brian Flores is the exact coach that Miami wants to build around. It's not going to take three or four years. I think it takes a year or two for this team to really build up. And, And I don't look at it as a rebuild. I look at it as building on the fly. You don't play this game to lose. You don't. Much as you need a quarterback, you do not tank every year to lose. Give me a guy that's been through bad times. He's been through bad times, but he's also been through good times because he's been with his family. And his family is most important to him. And that is so key. And that can most certainly translate into building a football franchise. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be huge amount of hype around this team because of Brian Flores and what he did in the Super Bowl. But what he needs to do is take out the distractions. A lot of times, if you're a new coach, you can get bottled up in, we're going to be the best team we can possibly be. We're going to win every single game. That's not going to happen, especially with this roster up to, you know, from top to bottom. And that being said, if the core values are around the Miami Dolphins organization, like he said, all these traits and visions are aligned. At the end of the day, it's a perfect match. It comes to fruition because Miami has been through ups and downs. Like 
you know, they they won a trophy for one of the best plays in 2019 at the NFL Honors show, and it was Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills um, accepting award for the Miami Miracle. It was just kind of like one of those bright spots in a dull season. I don't want to see those type of awards anymore. If anything, I want to see championships. I want to see them make it to the playoffs. I want to see improvement every single year. And I have belief in Brian Flores because he's gotten to the Patriots that mindset of saying, let's just go out there together and win together. You saw that. If there was any pinpoint moment that you could possibly imagine of Brian Flores making it into this league, it's the fact that he came out in this type of setting in the Super Bowl to play one of the toughest offenses in the game, and he proved them wrong. And he came up with different schemes, different variations. He wasn't plain vanilla. He brought a little bit of flavor to the table, something you don't see out of a defensive coordinator. And I think if he can work on the defense and have some leadership and have some mentorship, whether that's through Jim Caldwell or, you know, Don Cabers, you know, joins the staff. He's really building a really strong and continuity team, not only on the field, but on the sidelines as well. And just to mention, the Patriots also lost Chad O'Shea, who was the wide receivers coach. He's becoming the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins. And then they could potentially lose their quarterback coach as well. Now, Patriots, you know, coordinators and assistants haven't worked out in the past for for teams, but they're becoming a, a turning point, especially if this Brian Flores works. And now I feel like if Brian Flores can buy people into his system, there's going to be an ideal and really a lot of parallels to this type of team in his mindset and demeanor. And with that being said, let's see if they can turn around this upcoming season and not have a 7 9 8-8, 9-7 type of team. They could have a 10-6, 11-5, where they were, you know, in 2008. I think it was 2016, we made it to the playoffs. It was 10-6. Let's punt the brakes. Let's see what they can do and, you know, possibly rebuild on the fly with this philosophy. Thank you for everyone joining. I'm posting this all over Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Take a listen. Please promote. I'm going to be having a lot of reporters on uh, within the next week um, to most certainly, you know, break down NBA offseason. Uh, we'll get into free agency as well for the NFL as that will start in very soon, probably March. Um, so tune in and uh, thank you for listening.